0: This is episode 13 with Professor Gerald Pollock on Ancestral Health Radio. Learn to align your genetic makeup for peak health, fitness, and longevity with actionable how-to advice from today's leaders in nutrition, movement, and lifestyle. Join me, your host, James Kevin Broderick, as we bridge the divide between modern technology and our inherent ancestral wisdom. Let's take a walk on the wild side. What is easy water and why the heck is it important? Dr. Gerald Pollack joins me on episode 13 of Ancestral Health Radio to discuss the many benefits of water and more specifically, its fourth phase. We also mentioned water quality, his newest untitled book, and how to supercharge your body with a seemingly unlimited power source that's right beneath your feet. In today's episode, you'll learn the significance of easy or exclusion zone water, the benefits of drinking natural spring water, the positive effects that earthing has on the body, and much, much more. Gerald Pollock received his PhD in biomedical engineering from the University of Pennsylvania in 1968. He then joined the University of Washington faculty and is now professor of bioengineering. He's also founding editor-in-chief of the journal Water, convener of the annual conference on the physics, chemistry, and biology of water, and executive director of the Institute for Venture Science. His interests have ranged broadly from biological motion and cell biology to the interaction of biological services with aqueous solutions. His 1990 book, Muscles and Molecules, Uncovering the Principles of Biological Motion, won an Excellence Award from the Society for Technical Communication. His 2001 book, Cells, Gels, and the Engines of Life, and his newest book, The Fourth Phase of Water, Beyond Solid, Liquid, and Vapor, won the Society's Distinguished Award, Their Highest Distinction. The latter book went on to receive the World Summit Excellence Award. And the list, it goes on and on, guys. He's also presented two TEDx talks about water. In 2015, he won the Brand Lorette Award, previously bestowed on notables such as Nelson Mandela, Hillary Clinton, Steve Jobs. 2016, he was awarded the first Emoto Peace Prize, and he appears briefly in the 2016 Travis Rice sports action film, The Fourth Phase of Water, named after his recent book. So, uh, again, very, very excited to have you on and to talk about one of the more critical subjects that everybody needs to be talking about, which is water. So thank you, uh, Gerald, well, for being you, on. thank
1: you, James. Uh, uh, happy to uh, have been invited. Uh, thank you. And um, yeah, happy to talk about um, all, all of that stuff, which for me is very exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think for everybody listening, it's also very exciting. And, you know, it's something that's just part of everyday life that I don't think people... Uh, think too much about to have somebody on that really knows their business and goes deep. I'm I'm really appreciative of that.
1: It's really odd. In in response to that, you know, mo- most people presume that water, being so abundant and uh, and such a simple molecule, most people presume that everything there is to know about water must already be known. It's kind of kind of odd, you know, because scientists have been. Doing science for uh, well since the time of the Greeks, I guess, and 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 there's so much of it these days, and so the assumption, uh, logical assumption, seems clear, but um, it's so wrong, you know, and 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 one one piece of evidence is that there's a there's a website now that um, deals deals with uh, anomalies of water. So if you think about it, what what do we mean by anomalies, so. Anomalies mean something that 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 doesn't fit the the accepted understanding uh, uh, of water. And in the case of water, the list of anomalies goes on and on. I I think there are 60 or 70 uh, uh, so-called anomalies. And, you know, so anomaly is a euphemism for we 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 don't understand this. It doesn't fit with the accepted theory. And. um, and 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 so with with this long list, it becomes self evident that something something is missing from our fundamental understanding of water. And I I fully subscribe to that point of view. So we 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 don't know uh, so much about water. I I hope that our contribution has uh, shed some some light on that. But uh, that you know, remains to be seen.
0: <laughs> and speaking of your contribution, let's just dive right into it. So let's start with the conventional wisdom. Like, What what do people think of water now, and what, what exactly have you discovered about water that makes it different?
1: Good question. Uh, what people think now about water is, well, what all of us learned in middle school, that, that water has three phases. Uh, the solid phase, being ice, um, the liquid phase being the stuff we drink and the vapor phase being uh, thought of as molecules suspended molecules of water suspended in the air. And what we discovered is a fourth phase. Um, And, and this fourth phase is lies somewhere in, in between a solid and a liquid. And it's not a new idea that there, there is a, a, a fourth phase of water. It was suggested by a, Famous uh, uh, physical chemist uh, m- more than a hundred years ago, and other other people as well uh, o- over the years, suggesting that there, there's something different. Uh, they they might not have referred to it as a phase of water, but some kind of water that that seems to to not fall into those those three categories. And and many people began thinking uh, that that there's some kind of ordered phase. Of, of water see liquid liquid water as as we know it, it, it the molecules in the water are not ordered they're randomly disposed and they're bouncing around at uh, um, many many times per even per microsecond um, uh, so so they're they're jiggling around with random disposition mm-hmm. and some people thought um, uh, you know after the idea that there might be a fourth phase that that maybe this fourth phase is a kind of uh, ordered phase uh, a phase kind of like ice but not not solid um and kind of like a liquid but but not really a liquid something in between maybe something that is gel like and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what we discovered um we we um we discovered that, um, uh, it um you, you you might say by chance but but not really by, by chance, uh, because we were suspecting, we were looking for something like that. I, I was um, influenced greatly by um, a really gifted uh, investigator. His name is Gilbert Ling, L-I-N-G, and, and um, Gilbert has written six or seven books on the idea that in, inside of cells, uh, our cells, uh, bodily cells, animal cells, plant cells, the water molecules are not like ordinary water. They're actually ordered; um, they're lined up in in, in some way. And uh, Gilbert uh, had—he's uh, now ninety-seven or ninety-eight years old, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and still kicking. Um, he uh, initially had a lot of influence, but he he had some other ideas, uh, which I think have great uh, merit, but. Ideas that were re- rejected by many mainstream scientists, and so, so he kind of lost out in a way. But I, I showed, I showed his his um, book, of books. I showed one book of his, to my uh, postdocs and and students in the lab, and, and everybody who who read the book uh, thought that he was right, really onto something. And I, I decided about 15 years ago to, uh, or not, 17, 18 years ago, the book came out in 2001 called mm-hmm. The Cells, Gels, and the Engine of Life. And the, the objective, because I was convinced that, that there was a kind of water that was organized in some way, and the objective of that book w- was to detail or to explain Gilbert Ling's ideas about ordered water in, in biology, uh, especially, to... Um, to to the public because because Gilbert's writings may appeal to some small segment of physical chemists, but they're really hard to absorb for people like you and me. A little dense, um, terribly dense. <laughs> okay, brilliant, but uh, but with very high density. You uh. know, so so much so that it becomes difficult to lift the book and put it into your bag and carry it to the beach for easy reading. Right,
0: it's quite the tone.
1: <laughs> yeah it's quite dumb. So, um, um, anyway, I, I wrote the book and, and I, this is by way of background. I, 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 in writing the book, I came to realize that, that first of all, the evidence for some kind of ordered water or fourth phase water was very strong. Um, and I wanted to, uh, to, to make that clear, but also there was more to it. And, and I rather than go into in, into detail i I came to the conclusion in that book that the ordered water uh, was not only real uh, but but uh, so central to all of bi- biology and yet if you read the biology books or bi- cell biology or biochemistry you know mm-hmm. you you see almost no mention uh, of of water it it it's as though you know water. <laughs> is irrelevant to, to biology and, right. and yeah and that's that's really weird because uh because water is the, the most abundant uh, uh, molecule by far um, you know everybody knows that we're roughly two-thirds of water by volume right. but but if, you know if you translate that into a, a molecular count you know, in other words you line up all of the molecules inside your body and you start counting them um, as you as you come to them. It turns out that that the water molecules and more than 99 out of 100 molecules are water molecules, they're wow. so small in, in order to make up that that two thirds volume. You need a whole lot of them.
0: Yeah. How come nobody's looking at this? Like you said, there's no mention of water in a biology book as far as looking at the cellular structure, right? And now it's I, it's starting to become kind of a big deal, I think, because of your work. Some of some other people that I've been speaking to, they push some certain ideas too that which go against the grain. What what's happening now?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. It, it, it's true that that. Um, among among some groups the interest in water has heightened greatly but the reason uh, that mainstream science pays so little heed um, I, I think by the way it wasn't it didn't used to be the case because the study of water especially water and biology was a very important scientific uh, topic and um, led you, you might say by by the person is Albert St. Georgie, who was a Nobel laureate for discovering vitamin C and worked in muscle. And, and, and he's kind of the father of modern biochemistry. And he thought the water was critically important for, for everything, so much so that that yeah. one of his, his famous um, statements is, life is water dancing to the tune of solids. So, so he knew <laughs> that water... <laughs> it's great uh are uh, a lot of other pithy statements that come from him that are so interesting
0: right i like he,
1: that he, he he and then gilbert they knew knew so much about uh, the, the the role of water but then what happened is you know science became uh, endowed with with uh fortunately unfortunately special techniques where you could actually take the cell apart and examine individual proteins and then you could take the proteins apart and -hmm. and examine parts of proteins and so on. So with the advent of all kinds of modern instrumentation and exciting uh, 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 ability to tackle questions that you simply couldn't tackle, people forgot about water. They started picking apart the cell and looking at organelles and molecules and parts of molecules and such. And when you do that, you you forget that that water is in there too, and and, okay. and so water takes a backseat. And you know there is, I, I, if you look in the cell biology or biochemistry books, there is mention of water. It's just that it's really really minor, and the water is considered to be uh, a kind of bath that bathes the more important molecules of life. And and rarely is there any mention of the possibility that that. That water might be actually central to to what what goes on, and and it seems to me if you if you look at the evidence and and examine the logic, it becomes clear that it's not only that water is involved, but that the water is central to everything that goes on in, in the cell. And so, so as a consequence of that, I I think that a lot of modern biology. Um, uh, is 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 on a on a tangent on a tangent that is not going to go uh, so far because uh, we, we know there are so many facts uh, we're inundated with facts but to put them together into a construct that makes sense has been a real real challenge lots of theories and lots of people following theories but they ignore um, the, the water in fact that's kind of what got me into it we were studying mussels for uh, 30 years, uh, and all the theories about how the molecules of muscle interact to produce force and and motion, almost none took account of water. There are pictures of all the proteins working together and with interesting cartoons to give you some idea about how they might work, and the assumption is made implicitly that all of this works in a vacuum, that there's nothing, but there's water. That surrounds every protein, and, and the water is is really critical. So I think that's the reason um, um, the reason why a lot of people aren't looking into it because of the the advent of all kinds of fancy technologies uh, has given the opportunity to look beyond the water. Right.
0: So, they're going to micro like, now instead of macro, kind of looking at so the whole thing. Not
1: micro uh, yeah. to nano and 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 below and uh, quantum
0: okay. and beyond. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and and there's a, a, a kind of a, a prestige or credit given to the people who are able to look at, at the most detail at the, the, the most sub molecular level. So yeah. you know this prestige that comes with it is a is a great drawing point. It's like a magnet that that draws people. And every time there's a new technology, someone or groups of people jump on it because they want to find out more at a at a more minute level. So so. I think this is the main reason why people have been ignoring water.
0: And why shouldn't they be ignoring water? What, what exactly. have you found, that, and why is it so important?
1: Okay, so, so the, the main point uh, is, is, is that um, that your body is, is, everybody knows, as I said, we're 70% water, but what kind of water is it? It's not H2O. We surely have H2O in our bodies. But actually, we're built mostly a fourth phase water, or we call it easy water. It's easy to remember. Easy stands for exclusion zone because this kind of ordered water tends to exclude almost everything. So we call it easy exclusion zone, equivalent to fourth phase. And 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 so, to, you know, broad broad brush is that we need to know something about this because we're filled with it. Plants are filled with it. Animals are filled with it. And you're filled with it. I'm filled with it so you think that the the one of the or the the most abundant ingredient in your body is something that we ought to know about okay so <laughs> let me tell you, now i can tell you a little bit more about 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 this water because i so far i haven't done it i've kind of skirted around it um and the the, the original finding um, um this was uh, uh, about a, a decade ago and with our eyes open, because I knew that there might be some kind of structured water, but we wanted experimentally to probe it, to figure out, you know, what 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 more, since this is something that fills our body, you know, we'd like to know something. So we came upon an experimental model. Um, it was, a, you might say, a gift from a Japanese investigator who told us of one of his observations, and we built on that, and thought, ah, this is what we feel we need to go. So... We, what we found is we took a, originally a gel, a hydrogel, sort of like like a gelatin dessert, but not, not that particular gel. Um, you know, gels are usually made of some solid and some liquid mm-hmm. uh, together, uh, uh, bound together in, in, in some way. So we took a gel and we put the gel into a chamber and we filled the chamber with water. Uh, and we put some particles in there. they are little spheres called microspheres. This is commonly uh, used and and we use them as a kind of marker. Mm -hmm. So what we found, we looked in the microscope is we found that, uh, there was a region right next to the gel that grew over a period of a few minutes. Um, it grew to a region that pushed out those, those spheres, those particles, um, and, and and this was a pretty big region, uh, not, not by the standards that, that we, we ordinarily think, or really think of, but by molecular standards, it's huge. It's, it was a, a couple of hundred micrometers, It's like the thickness of a couple of hairs. Uh, <laughs> right. you know, so, you know, you think, oh, that's not much, but it's a lot of molecules. Um, and, and so we looked, and that was the first observation. And, and
0: Yeah, what's the, going on here?
1: What's going on? Because, you know, this is amazing. How, how, how could this be that this region we call exclusion zone, Okay, because it excluded the microspheres, pushed them out. And, and once they were pushed out, they never went back in. So, mm. this, yeah, this was a, a sustained region uh, or zone uh, that was different from everything else. And naturally, I thought in back of my mind that one possible explanation was that the water molecules were somehow lining up uh, and and as they lined up, forming a kind of crystal, they pushed out all of the, the junk so or say, impurities. Like,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, like a glacier, you know, form, forms ice and it pushes out all the debris into a great glacial moraine, and then you have a pure ice ice crystal, kind of kind of like that. You see. So so I thought I thought it's pretty likely that, that this is the explanation. On the other hand, the number of uh, of, of molecules lined up. Would be in the millions uh, because, in order to create something that's 200 micrometers or uh, that's two tenths of a millimeter, um, that's big enough you can kind of see it with your naked eye. Um, there, there have to be a lot of molecules lined up, and and those and previously the people who had been talking about molecules lining up were talking about maybe a hundred or two hundred or oh wow, twenty or you know, and the conventional chemists will say one or two, so. <laughs> <laughs> this was staggeringly
0: yeah you were uh, on to something most definitely
1: yeah. Yeah, so I thought oh my goodness so um, we did many studies uh, uh, studying other physical uh, physical chemical properties of the zone and the total is about 10 and some other groups have also done it and every property that we examine in this region differs from uh, properties of water so hmm. so to, to make a long story short, uh, there are two or three features of this that I think are particularly relevant for biology and and for ancestral health because we we'll get to that uh, soon. So uh, w- one of the one of the properties um, is um, the, the ordering, and we we did find we did find that in this zone that the molecules were ordered, but the the, the structure is a bit different. It's a lot different, in fact, we found from just molecules of water lining up, um, it, it's actually a, a conversion of water to something that is actually not really water, although we call it fourth phase of water. The chemical formula is H3O2, and it's hmm. actually sheets, hexagonal sheets, like honeycomb sheets that, that pile up on on one another. So that that's our best, um, hypothesis about structure is it, it's that and as these as, yeah and and um the way these sheets are are, are created is that originally the water molecules from the water from the normal the water break up in into you know water's h2o which is h plus oh minus, and we know that h plus can separate from oh minus, and it seems that the oh minuses um, are converted into this new structure that, that I mentioned to you. And the H+, the protons, are in the water. And, um, and, and so what that gets you is an exclusion zone, which most of the time is, has a net negative charge.
0: It's a negative and charge, right.
1: The Water beyond has a, has a positive charge. You mm-hmm. see? So, so it means it's kind of like a battery. You know, uh, where, where That's what
0: I was just thinking.
1: Yeah, we're thinking (laughs) you should come join our lab. (laughs) Okay, Um, yeah, and uh, so you got a you got a kind of battery, and and of course once we we um, we we saw that it was like a battery, the thought occurred. Well, gee, you know, it's like a battery. How come you can't get energy from it? And it turned out you can get energy from it. You put one electrode in the negative and one electrode in the positive. And, and you get electric current enough to um, you know to light a, an LED, light emitting diode, or something. So so it works. It actually does work. And in fact, we formed a company because uh, we're it's called Fourth Phase because because we're interested in, in if this if this is Rio, which we documented, yeah. um, that then you know this for the world uh, we have an energy source that. That it could, yeah, and and it's water, so it's renewable. It's not anything exotic or anything uh, that the earth needs to be depleted to to obtain like a normal photovoltaic cell. So so this is a this is pretty pretty interesting. And but then the question arises: you didn't ask it, but you probably would. Um, well, gee, if you're getting energy out of this, you must have to put energy into it. So it's like your cell phone battery, you know, it gives you plenty of electricity, uh, current voltage, but it runs down and you need to recharge it by plugging in, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, you can't plug the EZ into the receptacle and, and or maybe you can, I don't know, but it's not obvious. So there must be, there must be some, something is giving energy to, to this system and, and where, where is this energy coming from? And I got to admit that for several years we continued to scratch our heads and we couldn't figure out where the energy was coming from. Although it was obvious that you must need energy, otherwise it's a so-called perpetual motion machine where you get something for nothing. Mm-hmm. And as as radical as I I guess people tend to uh, uh, label me, even I can't imagine a perpetual motion machine that seems entirely implausible. So. So you need energy uh, from someplace, and and um, and and evidence to to how stupid uh, I am and my colleagues is that no. after I knew the source of energy, I was giving class to some undergraduates, and I uh, and I got to the point of showing them about EZs and microspheres and and, and such, and I raised the question, um, you know, wh- where does the energy come from to do this and and one student raised his hand right away, and a, a bit timidly uh, said, "Light," <laughs> and he got. So, we quickly got him to work in the laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and he turned out to be quite an adept in in the lab, and so um, you know, Jason was 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 really amazing, and and that's the answer. Um, and we found it in, in this in a peculiar way. So I just told you the experimental setup, having a gel or a polymer, or various kinds of surfaces next to water with these spheres and mm-hmm. microspheres and they get excluded and you have a, a microsphere-free zone. And the student was doing the experiment and sitting on the bench next to him was a lamp, like an ordinary gooseneck desk lamp. And he was kind of curious. He didn't know exactly what to expect. And he took the lamp, and I, I encourage these students to, you know, try things. Don't uh-huh. blindly follow the project that you're supposed to do because uh, you might actually find something interesting. So he took the lamp and he shined it on the chamber, and uh, it, it was pretty narrowly focused. And uh, the, the the lamp, uh, and, and what he saw was that the exclusion zone grew in the region that was illuminated, but not <laughs> the region that was not illuminated. So uh, you know, it, it became immediately obvious even to dense people like us that hey there must be something going on there with light. Yeah. yeah and and then we did many experiments to figure out what color or what wavelength of light was was most uh, effective in building the exclusion zone and we found that quickly we 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 checked um we we checked wavelengths in the uh, over a range of a spectral range and we tried ultraviolet and yeah, with a little bit, not so much. Visible light, different wavelengths, and a little bit more. And then the infrared wavelengths, the mm-hmm. longer wavelengths, to our surprise, that was by far the most effective. Like, by far, I mean a thousand times more effective for the same intensity um, to and build... The,
0: e- and, okay, and that's what I was going to say. And, if, and effective meaning to build the easy water, to increase the easy, inclusions or inclusions exclusion zone.
1: Right, to build it. Uh, we, we could get um with with enough exposure these are weak sources uh, i mean very weak sources so we're talking about minimal amounts of uh of radiant energy and 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 we could build the exclusion zone up to 10 times the size easily just wow. by yeah is <laughs> uh, we were astonished to, to find and then you remove it and the exclusion zone returns to its uh, original size it may oh take my gosh. 20 30 minutes but it, it comes back it's entirely reversible so um, it means that, that one po- we don't know about other possible energy sources, but we know light really matters, and particularly uh, infrared light. And so a question that always arises is, you know, well, where does infrared light come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so I, I think most people know that if, if you turn on the electric range and it glows orange, um, that it, it's hot and it's emitting infrared. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the same thing, if you turn on the toaster and look inside, the coils are glowing brightly, warm infrared and infrared and warmth is generally equated. There, there, there's more to it than, than that. But, but what I think a lot of people don't know is that infrared energy is coming not only from, uh, from those heated coils, but it's coming from everywhere. And and the evidence uh, for this, I mean all the, the walls and and the desks and the and, and and Your toothbrush and yourself Everything is Generating infrared and the evidence for that is you can take an infrared camera. It's just like a regular camera but instead of its sensitivity to visible light it's sensitive to infrared light mm-hmm. so so if you darken the room ordinary camera shows nothing and you can't see anything because it's dark but if you turn on the infrared camera and we have a couple in our laboratory you get a beautiful image of everything around you even though your eyes can't pick it up because the infrared camera is sensitive to infrared and it teaches you that that everything is generating infrared and um you know it's used for night vision uh, for for example
0: yeah think of the so predator movies if you've ever yeah, seen a schwarzenegger predator movie you know what infrared looks like
1: <laughs> yeah right you know <laughs> uh yeah so so it's there and the fact that it's always there um means that the, the it's you might say it's free energy we learned in you know, in chemistry, we learn the term free energy and it has something to do with energetic transitions and uh, and such. And for some people, it's it's a little bit demanding to understand exactly what's going on. But this is literally free. It doesn't cost a nickel. It's there. And because it's always there, what it means is that the energy for building EZs or fourth phase is always there, you see. Mm-hmm. And therefore, EZ is always there. So, so it's all around us. It's not just in our bodies, but... Um, wherever there's water and whenever there's the right kind of interface, we found that it's mostly surfaces that are hydrophilic, which means water loving, which means if if you have a surface like that and you put a drop, a droplet, the droplet spreads out, um, that's hydrophilic, as opposed to hydrophobic, fearing water like Teflon, you drop the droplet and beads up. Mm-hmm. So spread out versus bead up, the spread, spread out is, is the kind, and most surfaces, to some extent, are, are hydrophilic. So, so wherever you have those surfaces, you got easy water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and therefore, it's all around us. It's, um, it's not only in our bodies, but it's in, in, in the rivers, and um, even in the ocean, because uh, the various m- molecules in the ocean Are themselves can construct easy water around them you see so and it's in the clouds it's 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 omnipresent and 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 that's why we we need to understand its role in in all of these processes uh, including the process for example of creating clouds um uh, maybe we we don't have time to to go into that but you know, nobody nobody really understands uh, some of the most basic questions about clouds. They, they're water. And so if you look up there and you see water, and they consist of little droplets called aerosol droplets. And, 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 and so if you think about what's in the clouds, it's a bunch of these little droplets somehow held together to form the cloud. Mm-hmm. And since water is heavier than air, um, question is, how come the gravitational force of the earth doesn't... Pull this water down, like it pulls other kinds of waters down. You see what what keeps the cloud up in the sky, mm-hmm. and and we know that sometimes the cloud will unzip and and unleash its water in the form of rain. Why? So so I'm I'm not going to answer the questions here. In the next book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, um,
1: but but these are questions that involve water and. And the atmospheric physicists have no idea. The, the two things that one of them admitted to me they know the least about is clouds and evaporation. <laughs> well, you know, what else is there? It <laughs> yeah, so,
0: seems fairly basic. Yeah, that some of the things that you mentioned that we might have learned in third grade. Right. That's that's interesting. Um Well, how does easy water affect our health then? If we're talking about this easy water and that you believe that most of our our body... Because it got me thinking if easy water is charged by sunlight or infrared light, that's what it had me thinking about was how often are we getting that red light and how often we're just not really fully exposed to the sun anymore, you know? And what that effect might have on our body as far as the easy water because some people believe also with the technology that we have some of these non-native electromagnetic frequencies that we have from a lot of the cellular devices and the other uh, types of technology that we have can dehydrate our body of some of this easy water. This, Or or, uh, sometimes I hear um, specifically around the cell, it can dehydrate the water around the cell, which, I mean, without getting too into it for people, you know, um, I hear this can affect the the electron transport chain in our body. I'm wondering what kind of effect easy water has in our body, as far as our health, and maybe what what it has to do with. Are we getting enough infrared from just the things around us? Because I hear from certain people that you sh- you could even supplement with infrared lights, like reptile lights and things like that, which I do actually have in my house. Well, what are your thoughts on all that?
1: Yeah. Well, you look so healthy. So um, I. Can't <laughs> right. Stop that the infrared light is doing something. And you know, I I I, I think it is, but I, I have to in order to answer that without getting too technical, I have to back up for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um so um your cell, every one of your cells um is is filled with water, mostly easy water. And and your cell is the 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 work of the cell is mostly done by the proteins uh, of the cell. So for example, in the case of muscle, uh, the proteins inside the cell may undergo some kind of transition from state A to state B, uh, so-called protein folding. A lot of people are studying that. And the protein folding does the work. So for example, in the case of a muscle cell, uh, the proteins actin and myosin uh, mostly will undergo some folding, transition, which, which produces force and and motion, which is what your, your muscle does. Now, in order to do that, um, the native state of the cell is that every one of those proteins is surrounded by easy water. Each protein is hydrophilic mostly on, on the surface, not completely, and this, these are the, the hydrophilic surfaces are the ones that create the easy water. So mm-hmm. your cell is full of, of easy water. Now, when you're born, uh, or after your, you've reached a few years of age, your your, your cells are functioning optimally, and most most kids uh, can do a lot of things very well, uh, uh, depending on their you know degree of maturity. Like a teenager is is uh, well adapted, and the reason is that they have their full complement of easy water, and so the mm-hmm. proteins inside their cells you know, a lot of them in order to function need the easy water and they've got the easy it's the natural state um, however um, cells that are pathological often don't have their full complement of easy water so that means if you' are if you're a protein and and you want to undergo folding uh, your environment is not the same as as it should be the the natural environment is that the protein, is surrounded with the easy water. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if it's a different environment, like no easy water, not enough easy water, can't do its job, and if it can't do its job, it means your muscles are not contracting properly at all, whatever, or your nerves are not firing, or your secretory cells are not secreting the hormones, the way, et cetera, et cetera. So so whatever is the the work of the particular organ is not doing it, and you're sick. Right. Okay. So this is sort of background. So it means that if you if you, if you want your cells or your organ to function properly, you need one at least a minimum requirement is you have to refill the cells with easy water. Okay. So uh, how do you do that? Um, well, there there are half dozen at least uh, ways to do it. One of which is what you mentioned: get more sunlight because. Because the sunlight has plenty of infrared, mm-hmm. and the infrared builds easy water. And so if you, uh, like in, in Seattle, where I live, in the wintertime, it's pretty gloomy. The, the overcast sometimes doesn't abate for a week. And then when the sun comes out, everybody feels good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the question is, well, is it some kind of a psychological thing that has nothing to do with the, with the physics or physical chemistry? Or... Is it simply that the infrared light that we get um, is building easy water and, and including in our brain? <laughs> Why not? Uh, and and so we feel normal. We feel the way we should feel, which is okay <laughs> and right yeah. and And the same thing can be said of uh, of a sauna. So um, you go into the sauna, uh, and e- either the, the typical Finnish sauna. <laughs> Or, or one with infrared lights. But basically, it, it doesn't matter, you're getting infrared energy. And mm-hmm. this infrared energy is absorbed by your body, and builds easy water. And so if you build easy water, then then you, whatever issue you have or problem you have should begin to abate with, with the extra easy water. And I remember an experience uh, in Finland, um, and. Um, I, I was giving a talk at a, a conference and, and it was the end of the day and I was tired and they had a party at some remote place, the bus brought us there and we had a nice dinner and it was getting to be 10 or 11 p.m. and I was looking at my watch, um, waiting for the bus to go back to the hotel because I was so tired and, and the guy in charge got it with a microphone and announced, okay, it's time for a sauna, sauna as they say, sauna. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought, oh my God. So I succumbed. I went in for twenty minutes, and 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 when I came out, I felt like it was the next day. I was ready to go. <laughs> you know,
0: felt charged checked. up again.
1: Yeah, and, and and this is the kind of uh, um, it, for me now. I, in retrospect, this is understandable because infrared energy, heat. Uh, this is what you need to 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 build it, and and everybody. I mean. Years ago, this is not anything new. We, we, all, we all knew, the saunas are something that's, I don't know how ancient you know better than I do, but I think they've been used for quite a while. In Russia, they're called banya, and they're equally effective, as I've experienced. And, and so this has been around for a while, and, and I think we now understand the mechanism. Uh, it has to do with, with uh, the buildup of easy water in your cells, which allows the cells to function in the way they were designed to function. You know, your brain is designed to feel okay, to feel good, uh, mm-hmm. not to feel tired. So, so those are those are, you know, a few ways um, in, in in which one one can, um, I mean, y- use this concept of easy water to to uh, fourth phase water to understand the basis of, of health. But there are a few more, which also are ancient. Uh, so, uh, well, one of them, of course, is drinking water, right? <laughs> you you. In order to build, you need the raw material for building easy water, and the raw material comes from good old H2O. So if you drink a lot of it, um, it provides the, uh, the substrate, the basis for buildup of easy. And so a lot of us with gray hair, uh, we, we tend to be dehydrated. We don't even know it. We don't feel it, but we don't function as well as teenagers do. And, and and one of the things that we can do for ourselves is to make sure that we're well hydrated. And often this means drinking more water than we think we need. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, uh, I just will deviate for a second to talk about a really wonderful book that that describes it. it it's a, a book um, that I, I'm told that on Amazon has sold uh, something like six million copies or oh, so. Wow. Yeah, it's called. You're not sick. You're thirsty. Perhaps you know about about this book. I right? have heard
0: of that book. It, it's not in my library as of yet, but I have. I have. It's on my wish list, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, I haven't read no. it personally yet, though.
1: To send you a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it was written. Um, it was written by a really interesting uh, guy whose whose name um, kind of looks like Batman. Uh, it's Bat Mangalaj, um, and, and he. Batmangalish was an Iranian physician, and he was, a, he was a supporter of the Shah of Iran. And when the Shah was deposed, he was thrown into prison as a you know, political prisoner for having supported the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And with him were a lot of other political prisoners, and, and, um, and they all got sick, as you, you can imagine. And so they went to this guy, you know, hey, doc, what do I do? And you can imagine that at his disposal were not the most modern of uh, treatments. Uh, so he said, "Drink a lot of water." And, <laughs> of course, uh, maybe the water it was particularly good water in Iran. I know they've got mountains nearby, and, uh, okay. and so anyway, uh, um, they drank a lot of water. And what he found was that um, one by one, uh, that these people recovered from uh, from their issues by drinking a lot of water. See, and then. When he was released, and by the way, he stayed in prison for, I think, another year to continue to study the prisoners and how they responded to the water. He did the same with his patients, and uh, and he found, um, and this is not through the standard clinical trials that we, we all right. to believe in, but, but from his patients and the stories he tells and And so in the book, there are chapters uh, devoted to different Uh, pathological conditions so i think there's if i remember correctly one on diabetes one on heart disease one on cancer whatever and and he's talking about his experience with his patients where he prescribes drink a lot of water
0: yeah that's his that's his prescription
1: yeah and that's why the book is called you're not sick you're thirsty And (laughs) so it's become very popular and i think for me um the the interpretation uh, of, of this is that what's going on is that you're you're basically providing for yourself the raw material that you need to to build easy water and therefore for your cells to function and hence for your organ to function the way it should right yeah well,
0: i, I think we're chronically dehydrated as it is we're walking around actually. in a state of chronic dehydration and that's so and that right. leads me to another question too you you were actually mentioning that in that book that where the prison was, they were around some mountains. And for me, uh, it's a I big don't
1: know that. I, I kind of assume that... Or, they're, they're okay, rough, so rough.
0: Yeah. regarding water and water quality, would you have somebody go out to the store and just purchase some water or drink the water right out of their tap or possibly do what I do, which is go out into the wilderness and forge some wild spring water like... I personally recommend most people to do. What is your what's your thought on all that?
1: Um, my thoughts are speculative. Uh, I have no evidence uh, as to which water is better than another. Mm-hmm. I get requests sometimes practically daily. Someone oh, will sure. phone me or email, "Hey, what water should I drink?" and and I tell them the same thing um, until proper tests are done comparing the different waters on their biological effect. All I can do is speculate uh, because we don't have the evidence. And this is such an important question to answer. You, you'd think you'd think that, for example, the National Institutes of Health would be thrilled and delighted to find a laboratory willing, not connected financially um, uh, with a company to test all of these different waters. And we've tried time and again to, to get a, a grant to do that because Everybody wants to know which which water should I drink and yeah It's not clear um, until the tests have, have been carried out. And so uh, with that disclaimer Because <laughs> um, it's so important to do uh, but uh, you know it it's costly to to hire the people and Buy the animals that you might need uh, set up the cell cultures uh, test the humans it, It's not cheap. It's a few million dollars to do a, a proper study however that said with that disclaimer spring water seems like really promising and and one of the reasons it's it's promising is um that that water typical spring waters are filled with minerals we know that easy water builds around those minerals therefore uh spring waters um should in theory should be good for health also typically they're subjected to high pressure um, because they 're down beneath uh, beneath the ground, and we found experimentally that if you apply pressure, it increases the amount of easy water hmm. yeah, and it makes sense uh, because easy water we found is denser than ordinary water, so if you take ordinary water and you squeeze it, it wants to adopt the more dense uh, of, of the possible states, and so you're basically pushing the equilibrium toward toward uh, toward the easy from from ordinary water to easy or fourth phase of water and um, interesting yeah, it is, and, and that, I think also is the basis of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I don't know how familiar you are you so not
0: too familiar, but um, with what we just spoke about, you know maybe I can piece a few things together
1: yeah, I think I, I think it, the reason why it's so effective, not just in wound healing but also in many other pathologies is that high pressure. Uh, hyperbaric high pressure uh, increases uh, your EZ, and the excess oxygen we found also experimentally in hyperbaric hyperbaric oxygen uh, also increases EZ because EZ water contains relatively more oxygen than ordinary water. If you go look at the chemical formulas; you can do the arithmetic and, and see. And so, so I think what hyperbaric oxygen does, which the ancients didn't have, uh, but uh, but. Maybe drinking the, the um, spring water is, is equivalent to, partly equivalent to that. Is it, basically, it has the capacity to, to build easy in your body, and I think that's hmm. why it's so effective.
0: For me, it was the spring water because of that exact reason that it has high magnesium. It has these high mineral counts, and it's, it's the most natural way to get your water you know nothing has been removed it's it's been filtered by the earth as professor Pollock has been talking about and under high pressure which again expands the easy water content of this water so that's really exciting too so there's
1: one more may I yeah please and and this also relates to ancients Um, certain substances have been known for millennia uh, to be good for health Um, and um, uh used by ayurvedic cultures and, and others to restore health you know in the absence of modern uh, medicine antibiotics and such which again are controversial um, and and we tested some of these substances um, to see if the how how they do this might be mediated through easy buildup and and so far the results are very encouraging so we we, we take a standard Chamber set up with a, uh, some hydrophilic surface and the EZ next to it, and we put a little bit of the substance in, and we see what effect it has on the EZ. Mm-hmm. And we found so far, we, we we looked at a few of these. We looked at uh, coconut water, which is has you know generally known to be good for health. Tulsi uh, from basil, um, oh, basil mm-hmm. yeah, t- turmeric and. We even looked at aspirin, also coming from the bark of a willow tree, which has oh, white
0: willow bark. Okay.
1: Yeah, it has a myriad of positive effects, which seem almost unrelated to 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 one another. And um, and in all of these cases, we found that in in the amounts that we would usually imbibe, they build easy water. Uh, on the other hand, agents that block function, like we tried uh, various uh, anesthetics, which basically block function reversibly.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So we try glyphosate, which is in Roundup mm-hmm. weak. Yeah. You know, and and all of those diminish the easy water. So wow. So, okay. Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, I, I find this really exciting because it, it could be that we're actually uncovering a basis for what the ancients knew uh was, was good for health. And and as a scientist I find that <coughs> Comforting.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: build an understanding of why these are as good as they are.
0: Yeah, that modern science is finally validating some of the ancient wisdom that was out there.
1: Right, exactly,
0: yeah. Okay, so we're building easy water, and because easy water is so healthful, um, some of the things that we've mentioned so far has been like or yeah. sunlight, if you possibly can, during the right times of day, I'm, I'm sure. Um, if not, you can try supplementing with these type of infrared light bulbs as well that I actually have hooked up in my house. Also, saunas in the winter time, if you have that available to you. Or... Uh, in my case, 45 minutes away in San Francisco, they have a, a, an authentic Russian banya, which I do go to occasionally. Oh, yeah. Really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's clothing yeah, you, optional. You it's very you different get. from the American standard sauna, uh, I think, that you're used to going to, but it's really, really cool. <laughs> and um, so that's that's another one of the ways which I love. I think that's just an amazing experience. And then I couple that, too, with um, some cold exposure because in those Russian banyas, they also have a cold pool. So you can alternate between going cold and going hot, and you can you can kind of. Uh, I think that might have some benefit to easy water too, but I'm I'm not positive on that. So, um, and then also we were talking about earlier in a call, uh, earthing. What what's your experience with earthing? What, what can you tell us about it? Uh,
1: yeah, so earthing, you know, uh, walking barefoot uh, on the earth. I think we we've all had the experiences that. You walk barefoot on the beach and you usually feel pretty good and the question is well why, why do you feel pretty good so um i think uh, a possible explanation for this is is really simple and um and uh, it also has to do with with the easy you know easy i mentioned typically has negative charge so mm-hmm. it means it means that if you put negative charge into your body, you're likely to build more easy water. To you can convert, and we have experimental evidence we can convert ordinary water into easy water by putting in negative charge. Mm. Papers published on uh, on this, and so so the question is: Is there any relationship between um, between this building easy through negative charge and earthing? And the answer is yes, absolutely. And the reason. The reason is that the Earth is negatively charged, and, and so if you connect yourself to the Earth, um, you have a practically infinite source of uh, negative charge that can pour into your body and add negativity to it. Uh, so, I, for me, this was a complete shock and surprise to find that the Earth was not neutral. Uh, I began my career studying electrical engineering, and. We all knew that if you plug into the wall, to the ground, that it was zero electrical potential. It, it, the idea of, of negative charge, it was just impossible. I mean, people would, would fall over in their tracks in, in, in that school if, if someone said that you're plugging into a source of negativity. Right. I heard that first about a, 10 years ago from a, a Russian colleague who had been working in my lab and he was telling me about the Earth's negative charge and the uh, and the electric field of the earth and i said you, you mean magnetic field right said no 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 electric field the electric field runs perpendicular to the surface of the earth from the positive ionosphere down to the negative earth i said you're crazy andre he said you're crazy in russia even middle school students know about this in the us nobody ever heard of it you know so so next day One of my students brings me uh, a book, a thick book. It's the lectures of Richard Feynman, and some of your listeners may know Feynman. Uh, It was considered to be the Einstein of the last half of the 20th century, and he's he's a hero of almost every physicist. And there's a series of lectures compiled into um, a a three-volume tome Mm -hmm. that Almost all graduate students in physics read because it has some humor in it. It's easy, but gets the messages across. And so my student opens to volume two, chapter nine, um, which is about the electric field of the earth and the negative charge of the earth, you see. So from that, I learned not only that it was his opinion, but that he cites numerous references before the 1950s, references that... Were probing the electric charge of the earth, and so so I found out it's really true. The uh,
0: science was old; it was it's been there for a while, but forgotten. Right,
1: that's the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, we, and we've forgotten a lot of that. I don't call it ancient science, but old science, which uh, the quality of so much of that older stuff is so good um, and and uh, and and so deep and 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 that you typically reading some papers from 60 70 80 years ago is is a really refreshing reward compared to some of the things that one reads uh, today anyway the, the main point is that Andre was right I was crazy and he was right <laughs> like all the Russians who know that the earth is negatively charged so so um, you know it's right now it's, it's easy to do you can either buy something that that connects to ground I, I think some companies offer, Bed sheets um, mm-hmm. that are, are infused with, with thin wires that you can connect electrically to the ground, or you can simply take a um, an aluminum plate and and connect it with a, a stout wire to to a, a metal rod that's driven into the earth. That simple
0: grounding rod, right? Simple copper simple. rod, right into the right into the dirt in your backyard.
1: My son does that. Uh, my son's the artist who. Who illustrated my you know, recent book, The Fourth Phase of Water?
0: Oh, um, nice. Okay, yeah, the, the, there are yeah, some good illustrations got, in there. I didn't realize he was the one who illustrated yeah, it for you.
1: he's he's a great artist and and um, great son. <laughs> uh, and the book has actually gotten amazing reviews, so I'm really happy that. And most of the reviews are great because the the artist is good not because the writer is good
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think it's both i think you you're able to describe some complex uh some complex science in there and make it really easily understood and digestible for a lot of people to to really kind of grasp your your ideas about easy water so it's it's i think it's really nice
1: thank you appreciate that yeah I, i i tried for for me what's important is putting the ideas together in a way that as Niels Bohr said, if t- a good idea you ought to be able to explain it to your grandmother. And in his day, you know, grandmothers rarely have PhDs in physics. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it, I, I really do believe that uh, nature is simple. Nature operates with simple principles. It may be intricate, but the basic underlying principles are, are simple. And and this idea of simplicity has, has uh, in, infused scientific thinking for... Forever, practically. Certainly since, um, 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 William of Occam um, uh, Occam's razor you know the idea of you've got two uh, two ideas uh, competing ideas and the simplest one is the one that's likely to be correct but hmm. but scientists seem to have forgotten um, forgotten this and many scientists revel in in complexity you know they'll stand up at the podium and, and then say hey look how complicated all this stuff is and and by inference look how smart I am for figuring out all this complication you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I think that th- this kind of approach is misguided, uh, and I think science has taken off in directions that maybe are not productive. Um, and we've organized a, um, our Institute for Venture Science, uh, something uh, something new, that funds promising ideas that challenge conventional thinking. There's not much funding for promising ideas that challenge conventional thinking.
0: Right, because it's At, extremely hard to get funded for ideas, right?
1: Precisely. That's, that's our reason for, for existence, uh, to, to provide funds. And um, if any of your listeners are um, in a situation where they, they have the means and are, are interested, this is a really exciting adventure, or venture, I should say, uh, to pick out the best and most promising of these unconventional ideas. And there are many uh, really high-quality ones we're reviewing uh, uh, pre-proposals right now. Um, and we could use some, um, some funding from people who want to build this organization with us. So please uh, contact me if there's, if there's any interest. It's, the website is IVSCI, IVSCI.org.
0: And I'll be sure all that gets posted onto the show notes, uh, oh, along with great. any other contact information and any other ways they can help donate. If you have a, a page that's set up for that or or anything, we'll we'll make sure that everybody has access to that.
1: Thanks so much. That's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, and it's funny, I want, to, I want to mention too, you know, on simplicity here that it's funny because that, that's exactly what's going on here. Everything that we've spoken about, we've still spoken about in quite some detail, and yet when you take a step back and you, you view some of the things that we're talking about to incorporate some of these healthy, easy habits, I guess you could say, for building easy water, it's really kind of simple, you know, um, it's get some sun, be outside, be barefoot, connect with the earth fire fire is extremely important I mean it's uh, how ancient or primal can you get than fire fire oh, for man gosh. soak up that that infrared light um, make sure that you're drinking mineralized water water that is you know as close to wild as possible which which we advocate on this show uh, spring water absolutely and if you notice all those things are free <laughs> none of those cost anything at all and they may, might seem complex when you tend to break them down but they're all absolutely free and there's something that you you would naturally get if you were uh, enjoying your natural ecology and connecting yourself with more the rhythms of nature so uh, I'm I'm happy to have somebody here that can really break down some of those processes and and um, just see how how simple they really are and how beneficial they are to your health it's it's really important that I think people understand that so I plan on also throwing a a summit, an ancestral health summit, which this is the first time that I'm mentioning it on the podcast, but um, if you're interested, I would love love for you to possibly partake in that sometime uh, next year. I, I plan on having that together, so. Sure,
1: yeah.
0: Excellent. Is there anything else, uh, any other projects other than uh, IVSci.com, oh, anybody uh, yeah.
1: Many projects. My my wife, um, who's sitting nearby, uh, tells me that I've got five careers running simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and um, so I, just a, maybe a third one that's relevant here is is uh, my next book, uh, w- which deals with uh, um, w- which deals with various phenomena of nature and some of the ideas that uh, have come from studying water can be applied more generally to um to other matters uh of phenomena that surround us every day that we really don't understand like uh what what makes the earth turn uh Mm. what makes weather um and and um stuff like that that i i i treat or i will be treating in this book and and uh i think a central paradigm for many of those is electric charge Mm -hmm. and we talked a lot about charge, about negative charge, and, and I think charge repulsion and charge attraction can form a very simple basis to, to understand many phenomena in nature that look complicated right now, uh, but that alternative approaches can, can demonstrate are actually possibly really simple, right. plus and minus attracting. <laughs>
0: Let me know when that comes out so that I can get my hands on one of those. Uh, can, are you able to give uh, give the name or the title of the no, book? No but? name yet. Oh, yeah. don't. Oh, you don't even have a title for it. Okay. Well, <laughs> well exciting. Yeah, All right. Well, then. Usually
1: the title comes last. Okay. The yeah. And the title comes last. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, that coming from a published author, absolutely. Yeah. I'm. I. I... I would love to write a book someday, but, um, not right now. <laughs> Thank you again. I know that we went over a little over an hour, but I, I appreciate your time and I want to be respectful of that. Is there anywhere uh, else people can reach you or contact you, send you information regarding, uh, maybe they want to get involved with, with, uh, some of the projects that you're, that you're doing. Right yeah. Now?
1: Well, email is, is probably the, the best way. Uh, I, I, I must warn that it's getting really difficult to respond to emails. You know, um, I, I I get many nice uh, comforting emails there's always after oh thank you very much for this nice book I have a few questions and, and sometimes a few questions is a page and a half or two oh, pages sure. email, and I scratch my head and oh my goodness I want to need two hours to respond to this and I simply <laughs> can't can't find the time although I'm really happy to do so it's one of my favorite things this is my, my problem but email is, is the best way sure okay.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ancestral Health Radio. If you like the podcast, then do me a quick favor and head over to iTunes to leave an honest rating and review of the show. This helps improve the show's ranking and visibility with other would-be hunter-gatherer gardeners just like yourself. But if you can't do that, I'll totally understand. We're still cool. But maybe you could share this episode on your favorite social media network, or at the very least, continue the conversation with myself and the tribe on the official Ancestral Health Radio Facebook page. But whatever you do, remember to check out all the resources mentioned earlier in this episode by reading the show notes at AncestralHealthRadio.com.